0: Hey
1: everybody, welcome to Nexus at Night. If you're wondering why we're not doing the set review this week, the Mega Colony Stride is that bad. I'm Atlas. I'm Matt.
2: I'm Rupier.
3: And I'm Commander Jaime. Hi welcome, everyone. Welcome. Hello. Back. Well, thank you. <laughs> I know it's been a while.
1: Yeah. So what do we, we talking exist. about today? So uh, today we're doing another uh, premium profile, which the last time we did it, I believe it was 2019. So way to stay consistent. It. Nexus at Night. Um so today we're doing Grand Blue which uh Commander Jaime, you got your start as an Aqua Force guy but uh Wave Nation beat you to the punch but that's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: I was had, I was out of the ocean and he yeah. took over <laughs> while I was away. Yeah,
2: you just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth when we were doing the Aqua Force one so we
3: yeah, had to find a
2: substitute.
3: Wave Nation did a good job too. I still talk to Wave Nation. He's a really good guy too. So if anyone was to do it, definitely him.
1: Are you guys like some kind of rivals or anything like that? Or is it just like a no. strong no, nothing respect at all. for each other?
3: Yeah, Pretty much respect. Um, we're on Force of the Ocean, like on the Discord So for the Aqua Force blog. So we're always like chatting. Um, I know he's been away, actually. What's kind of funny, it's by Versa now. <laughs> he has been a little way now. But, um, but he's still v- chiming in and everything. Sorry, Life does that. Life does that yeah. occasionally. Yeah. yeah. So, Yeah, and and I have my own YouTube channel, so I am one who gets crits, Commander Heimer. so those that don't know. Um, my main focus on the channel is Aquaforce content, both for casual and competitive. Um, but I do have other clans on there, like Grand Blue, and that's part of the reason why I'm on this um, episode. And so, yeah, let's just start it. Yeah, so
1: uh, the general... Shape of what these episodes typically look like. I forget in between each episode because it takes so long for us to do it. I went back and listened to the Great Nature one and then the Aqua Force one and the DI one, and they're all completely different. So, uh, <laughs> nice. yeah, professionalism. But um, judging by what we've done in the past, I think uh, we should start with the competitive history of Grand Blue. Perfect.
3: Perfect. And I and I think one of the probably the best spots to begin is really the G Era. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Did,
2: was Grand Blue even a real clan before G era?
1: They oh, were really? not. They were my Grand Blue was my first clan ever, and I started playing Vanguard in like its early, early days, like BTO six. So mm-hmm. that was right after where they did the set one, set two, jump to set six thing. Where oh know, yeah, cockytus and all that good stuff. So, uh, Grand Blue was kind of you had to like pay one or two counterblast for one card. Everything was very yeah. uh, limited.
3: Overcosted, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Overcosted,
1: yeah. And then yeah. near the near the end of uh, the original era with Legion, you got Pinot Noir and all them, but it didn't really make an impact because you had things like. Bluish flames and uh, the cocker legion and abyss, abyss, and I guess Blaster Joker, but I don't think that was really making a lot of waves. But uh, this is a Gramble episode,
4: not a Aquaforce episode, Alice. You you shut your accurate
0: mouth. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) For
3: real. Uh, I think I could take it from there. So really in g once we got the Night Rose trial deck, that's when things really started kicking for Grand Blue. Um, so right off the back with the trial deck and then the first wave of support, both um, Night Rose and Seven C's were viable decks. Uh, so first off, Seven C's just had a better showing. Um, a lot of the support was like the grade three Nightmiss, the break ride, um, and of course having access to strides now. Um, because before Grand blue was still not enough, even though you had the, the night Mistride, you still needed more. And that's where the phantasm night Rose came in so that way you can do the, the break right turn and then of course do the phantasm to extend more attacks during the battle phase. So that was really the decks winning image. And then for Night Rose, um, it really didn't start kicking more until like the next set after that. So basically it started outpacing seven Cs or at least what people call seven Cs proper. Um, so Night Rose started getting more quality support, like in Tempest, um, calling Gauche. That's the one that we're just able to spam a few on first stride due to the amount of cards in our soul. <laughs> um, very phenomenal card. And then we have access to like cards like Negra and Negra Lazy to extend attack. So Night Rose was becoming a multi-attack um, deck that it even surpassed Aqua Force at the time, too, with the number of attacks and even the sheer power of it. Um, I think in the previous episode, I think even Matt alluded to that Night Rose just had a lot of branching to make, like decision making. Um, uh, did you want to highlight on that, Matt?
4: Yeah, so, um, the, when, the, when the Night Rose, uh, the, I guess there's a few, uh, things that mattered here. Uh, the first is that it called a fair number of units for a fairly not terrible cost. But the real mm-hmm. one is that there was a, a, grade zero named Grenache who, uh, had hollow. When it died, you could, uh uh counter-charge, countercharge 2. Yeah. And it worked very favorably with Night rose's GB2 skill that could uh well countercharge 4 if you really wanted or it's just leave something on field that you desire. Mm-hmm. Um but the where the decision making came in is the Nightrose Nightrose had a, a lot of things to call during battle like uh the important one was uh, what uh, Negerbone Yes. Uh, which is a grade boost. one. When it boosted, you would counterblast one, uh, retire the rearguard in the same column, and call a new thing. Yep. I believe that's correct.
0: <laughs>
4: Cause a hollow unit. Yep. Cause a hollow unit. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I'm missing something. Uh, and so you could really adjust your attack order during the battle phase better than really any other clan can do. If you look at a clan like Aqua Force, you're pretty much setting up your battle phase right like, before you even... Like, you're not adding new units to the battle phase and making making as many decisions in the battle phase as far as what is attacking your the decisions you're making in grand blue are not is not only when to attack but what to attack with and so mm-hmm. you can really react well to triggers on damage
0: yeah, yeah that's a good
3: example, example. <clears throat> actually one of the things i wanted to say is that that was when back then when triggers were 5k so if an 11k Vanguard got a trigger that were 16k. We still were able to make columns that were 16k and up. And even in a car like Negro Rook, which is a hollow unit that just became a 16k by himself, so he's able to just like poke the Vanguard still on top of that. Um,
1: with also another thing with Grand Blue is that
3: mm. it
1: has an advantage over most other clans just in its uh gimmick where. Mm. Because yes. of how the game works, everything that you're doing is then feeding into your offense on the next turn because it's your drop zone. Yes. Um, and that's just the thing that Grand Blue has had the advantage for uh, the entirety of its history to varying degrees of effect. But
2: yeah. it's just. And, hmm. uh, I was going to say, like at the time, even when Night Rose was at its peak, it could counter a lot of clans like uh narukami and link joker simply because the hollow ability cleared your board and so at the time they just had no way to deal with that so there it was really hard to kind of check night rose either with any kind of field control
3: yes that's correct too
1: and then also wasn't uh the big competitor for night rose at the time was deer chronicle right that was its heyday with uh yeah,
3: that's timely. yeah. It was basically think, the Triangle meta, like with Luar, Time Leap, and Night Rose.
2: Yeah. I think even before that, there was also uh, Sanctuary Blasters, I think, was making. Mm. That yeah. was, I think that was really early into Night Rose when Grade 1 Rush was also a thing, though.
3: Yeah. That's definitely true, because um, Sanctuary Guard was a definitely a big contender. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Night Rose being a G deck you didn't have anything available to you before you stride. And so you had to play that matchup very smart until you were able to do your own things. Yeah. And, and I guess one of the things that I, I kind of want to go back to is like what Alice had mentioned. Granblue before had a lot of over skills to just bring rear guards. Um Before there wasn't really anything worth bringing back from the drop zone to really take advantage of. And really the G the G era, like in the trial deck, we got cards like Cannoneer. And honestly, Cannoneer mm-hmm. had a lot of impact. <laughs> just being able to uncall from drop, hollow it, counter blast, kill something and draw a card. And then right. of course just being able to, to call it during the battle phase on your opponent's turn to like basically pseudo denial griffin. Mm-hmm. That was very impactful, especially against wise men.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: That pretty much uh, made. Uh, I think that the, the like. I think uh, that came with uh, what was the what was the G Guardian's name? Nagger Lily. Yes, Nagger yeah. uh, That was when I think, at, like, with when that set came out, everyone knew Night Rose was good. Like, there oh, was yeah. no longer a question.
0: <laughs> like, you <laughs> now true.
4: had the defense from a lot of the crazy combo plays the other deck could the other decks could make, in addition to a new really godlike first stride and Gauche.
2: Yeah, and then. Also, just a lot of the older rearguards now could kind of uh, come to life. Things like uh, Nightstorm and can't remember what the other one was, but there was something that could go with it to help you adjust your combos mid-battle phase.
3: Like, probably. Mm. Probably Oh, go ahead, Matt. Like,
4: Jaime, you brought up that uh, the old uh, skills were pretty overcosted to bring stuff back, but Gauch was kind of like the. Uh, the full, uh, like, it was just like, well, how about counterblast one, soulblast X to call X minus one? And you're like, yeah, yeah I'm down. <laughs> right.
1: It was, was pale lot, moon it better than pale moon could pale moon. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> says a pale moon player. I was like, okay, I don't understand how you can be that, but Mephisto has to be flip something face up and you can call one card for every two things face up. Yeah.
3: Like, what are yeah, you that doing? Was <laughs> yeah, and to really promote that turn, Rough Seas Banshee, the crit that was actually from a very old set, actually came mm-hmm. into play. <laughs> yeah, you just call it as soon as you saw it and soul charge it and draw um, a card. So basically, you dig deeper into your deck, anyways. And then once you have the stride turn, you just soul blast and you could even just put those crits even back again to just really plus one into hand advantage which was very mm-hmm. important to survive for the following turn and really, you know, put the, the nail in the coffin, per se. Um, I actually
4: think, think RFC's Banshee uh, also, like, gave a lot of really interesting questions. Um, and part of the reason why GR is, like, so well-liked is that you could talk about whether or not in certain hands, in certain matchups, you should even put that RFC's R- Banshee into soul or maybe, you know, the second one, right? You're like, oh, I'll put yeah. the first one in, but d- is the second one worth it in this matchup? You know, is something is a question you have to ask. So I thought it uh asked a lot of really interesting questions, just to the to to the player of the deck.
3: Yes, it wasn't like a, a brain dead deck for sure, because like where the shield value may come into value is like a deck against sanctuary guard, where they're they're just going to go ham early on, and you might need the actual guard <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of the soul charge and blind draw.
1: That's what I like about grand blue. Like this is probably the highest heights that grand blue has soared to, was during this era. But it's arguably the only deck that really requires a lot of strategy and planning Mm -hmm. of its pilot compared to other decks, which tend to be brain dead, depending on what it is.
4: I think uh, Gears and I I think that Gears, Night Rose, um, Sanctuary Guard, uh, you know, that era was pretty interesting. Like, I think a lot of the decks were like pretty hard, which is which is part of what made it really cool. And I think that was true for a lot of later G-era, is that the decks were just pretty difficult, just because, you know, everyone was kind of doing crazy stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. That's very true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it I was mean, really if, cool. Oh, go if, ahead.
4: Our
1: favorite era, you know, give or take, is, like, is late G-era before those last two sets where they just threw everything out the window. Like, right uh, before Zera Dragons. <laughs> Yeah, like, Death G- Dragons were something else. Yeah, no, like G- GBT 11 and 12, I think, was the, the oh, kind of yeah. last vestige <laughs> of interesting.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to note with Night Roses too is uh, back to the, the decision-making. Um, I know that I mentioned the Pseudo-Denial Griffin play, but you were able to just bring back a Negro Lazy, uh, which is basically on-place, um, kind of blast old blast call something from drop. And then if you hollow it and it dies too, too hollow, you can counter-charge and soul-charge. But what you end up with doing, you can actually bring him back with the GB2 skill, bring back a nosh without hollowing the, um, the Negra Lazy, so you can get the counter-charge four. And then later mm-hmm. on, you can do the Negra play, and then you had a choice to bring whatever you wanted that was grade two or less. So cards like Mick was actually some viable options that you like to bring, because Um, if you call Meg during the battle phase on your opponent's turn, then you make your Vanguard 21k base, which actually mattered, too.
4: Oh, I forgot about that. That's a really good point, yeah. Yeah. That was really
3: huge, too. And another thing that that people, I think, miss, and it it took me a while to realize this, too, but um, Night Rose has somewhat of an ability to actually remove locked units, too. So if you're facing against Link Joker, then normal locked units for you, during the end phase, they will unlock. And so a sequence that you would do is that you made sure that you had a Lakar like a, a Negro Lazy or any hollow unit per se um, during your turn. And by the turn you end your turn, you Unstride, you unlock your units, then your unit dies to hollow. Then you use Night Rose to GP2 skill to bring that unit back, call it on the unlocked unit, and thus it will retire that unit. And then if you want to lock or remove another one, you would just hollow it, call Garnache onto the other circle where the other unlock rigor was to kill it, and then hollow re-triggers again, and then those units die, and now you've wiped your field, making the Link Joker player actually work for it again, basically.
4: Yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. that took me a really long time to wrap my head around the first time as well, just because it really, it really makes you understand how the end phase works.
2: Yes. Uh... Yeah. I think we did an entire episode about this because it was just that confusing. Yeah. It really
3: was. Yeah.
1: Well, because, yeah. like, in your head, you think of the end phase as like a few seconds. You're like, okay, yes. I'm done. But it's like, okay, I'm done. Okay, wait, stand and drop. No, no, no. When I say done, I mean, this is going to take a few minutes.
0: Hang
3: on. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a controversy, or not really a controversy, but it was like, why couldn't I right. countercharge a soul charge with uh, Negro Lazy but I can countercharge it with Grenache? And Bushi tried their best to really explain it, and it really came down to red tech skills that are gained versus hard text on a card kind of thing so yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: right that's some diplomatic. so i made
3: the end phase even more confusing. basically yeah. yeah should we talk about seven c's grade one or several runner
0: probably uh, yes.
3: yeah okay. let's talk about it
1: <laughs> the elephant in the room yeah
3: yeah it is th- th- that's, that's why i bring it up it's it, it is the elephant in the room <laughs> it's the grade one elephant in the room i'm kidding <laughs> Um, but so, for those that don't know back then, basically you, you weren't able to stride until your opponent was at grade three. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if Sabriz existed. I think, so, yes, yeah, Sabriz existed by then. So, if your opponent was at grade two. Oh, yeah, go ahead.
2: Sabree- I was going to clarify, but since you're just describing the skill anyways, you can go ahead.
3: <laughs> With Sabriz, <laughs> is that basically if your opponent stayed at grade two, like they didn't ride during the ride phase, you can counter blast and stride it from the G zone. So, that way you can enable generation break. However, again, because it's called Grade One Seven Cs, is that what they focus is just staying on Grade One for the majority of the game, if not all the game, and really just beat you down with um, just like that, really.
2: <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. So Breeze was created because the year before ripples existed, and ripples like to stay on Grade Two. Yes,
3: exactly for that reason too.
4: So how do you beat that? You just don't leave Grade One.
3: Yeah. That's basically what they thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And
2: we will note that Bushiro did finally change the rules around that after Giara ended.
3: That's that's also like, very true. They just you want to ha- explain it?
2: Uh yeah, sure. So basically, they changed the ruling so that now, if you're on grade three for more than one turn, you can stride regardless of your opponent's grade because. In the transition to V-Era, they're going to have a whole bunch of early game cards with early game skills, and premium would just be really boring if everyone stayed at grade two with whatever grade two skills they have, and no one ever strode. Right, exactly. That's a very good point. And I guess the other notable thing about Seven Runner is it just took so long for Bushiroad to deal with it. Because it, won, it
4: won worlds. It was
1: first and second, right?
2: Yeah,
0: it, and then...
1: It was the second year in a row of them getting their asses handed to them by... Yeah. Like, Bush will do this thing where they're like, okay, here's the new stuff, and then somebody will go, that's dumb, I'm gonna do this instead, and then it ends up winning worlds in front of everybody in the internet, and they're like, shit, we gotta fix this. So this happened with yeah. Ripples, originally, and then 7Runner,
2: two years yeah. ago. And the thing about 7Runner is it took, like three different bands before they finally actually killed the deck
4: they killed spinal right and then there was like well yeah. we're done because <laughs> that's what allowed you
3: to hit like really big numbers mm-hmm. like the 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 thing that bushy did the first time i think they hit mek and i'm like why would you hit mek you know it does mm-hmm. nothing to great 170s <laughs> but it does something yeah. to night rose
4: <laughs> i think they they banned runner as the starter yeah, and then everyone was just like, "K,
2: <laughs> one four of it in deck, got it."
4: <laughs> no, no, I think they hit it to one regardless, and it, and it can't be Vanguard. And then people just yeah. played um, what well, the girl with the apple and the, just put run yeah. in their deck.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, and they're just like, "K, well that didn't do anything." <laughs>
3: yeah, they were just not hitting the right cards. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what they were thinking, but yeah, and one of the things that I think that I think that deck is. I wouldn't say underappreciated, but I think um it's a it's a deck that was actually able to adapt to whatever Bushi wrote through it And yeah, they they yeah. missed the key cards. But it was still it, it took some hits, but it it still adapted and actually still kept topping. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so deck, it wasn't
3: like a brain dead deck. It was actually sure. like you had to think. The numbers mattered.
1: <laughs> it was infuriating <laughs> to play against because you were like, oh, I, I just I, wanna do sure. the
0: Oh,
2: see, that's the thing about 7-runner is, like, it actually had a lot of complex strategy if you actually played it. The problem is, like, the counter of playing with a G-era deck is, like, okay, so you have to defend smart, you have to, like, harass their rearguard so they can't keep doing their call combos, and, you know, if you're not playing a deck with non-GB skills, it was just such a slog to get through. Road eventually started printing cards without GB skills, which you know, all of the various hits to 7Runner's consistency hurt it, but I think the thing that really put it down finally was Dex could play the early game.
3: Yes, I agree.
1: Are you fellas familiar with something called the Socratic method?
3: <coughs> I am not.
1: <laughs> okay, so the Socratic method refers to Socrates, the famous philosopher, where uh, in order to take apart someone's arguments when debating with them, the key is to just keep asking questions that poke holes in their argument and let them talk Mm -hmm. themselves into a corner. So Seven Runner is basically the Socrates of Vanguard, where Boucherot is like, this is fine. And then Seven Runner is like, okay, but what about just staying on grade one forever? And they're like, okay, well, (laughs) ban Nightrunner is the starter. Okay, but what if we put it in the main deck? Okay. I see. <laughs> like, it, it, it just wouldn't die. It, it, it just kept asking questions. until Boucher was it just like, kept fine, back we'll print from the normal deck. skills again.
3: It was just doing what ground Blue does best. It just came yeah. back alive, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> CB1, revive deck.
3: Oh. Yep. <laughs> Basically, um, um, I think it's a. Oh, go ahead, Atlas.
1: I was going to say another deck that we didn't really touch on. This is before Seven Runner and before I think before Night Rose really like hit the big time. Uh, was the Seven Seas Stride deck? We did
4: talk about that.
3: Yeah,
2: we did talk about that.
4: He called it Seven Seas proper. Oh, yep, th- that's
3: what he meant. Yeah, that's when I was talking about like the Great Three Nightmiss Mm-hmm. Um, so for, just to clarify for those who are, who are listening, there's a grade 3, Lord of the Seven Seas, Nightmist. He's a break-ride. So when you would break-ride, you would actually call two rearguards, and they get plus 5 for the turn. And so what the deck did was that we had access to the generic GR support, which is really good. So you can use cards like Columbar, which was an attack extender. It was the amber clone of the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Nightstorm. You had um, Cannoneer. And then, of course, Seven Seas even got some support, which was the slash shade, and the slash shade was that on attack, your van- when your vanguard attacks, you can actually counterblast, kill something that's a great one or le- uh, I think it was a great less than the card, and then just call it a regard so you can actually have multi attack, and then also promote it with the phantasm night rose just to get like, like five solid attacks basically on top of a break ride, that really took advantage of it. It
1: was. Seven C's, Vanguard of Seven C's tax. pay the cost. If you do, just call it to rear. Choose one of your grade one or greater rear guards and retire it.
4: And it
3: was, okay, and it got you. 2k yeah.
4: when it attacked a Vanguard, right? So it attacked an 11?
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, so mm-hmm. it made perfect numbers. Yeah, so if you revive like a booster like Grenache or, or, or something else, it would make like the 16k mark pretty easily too. Yep. It was a good time was um, a very solid yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's just that night rose eventually outpaced it with all the the quality support that it got in the next ups yeah
2: and then as gira did they put heavier emphasis on the keyword, so eventually legacy support just kind of drops off
3: yeah, yeah that's also true
1: um let's see was there anything else for night rose before we
3: move on yes. to yes oh i just i just remember Uh, so around the time when Mick got banned uh, I was able to actually take Night Rose to an event and actually did really well Um, so one of the things that people didn't realize at the time I was actually um, in contact with a good friend of mine his name is David Adi Pratama he's the founder of WCC Uh, we were at Cardfight Consulting and he made me realize that there is kind of like a mini loop in the deck that you can do with Negar Bone and Starlight Night Rose and and so really uh, honing on that as a secret um, combo, you can actually get a high number of attacks with Night Rose as well. Um, I did a video, too, that uh, actually showed you could do 10 attacks in Night rows by looping two Starlights in a row, basically.
1: Eat your heart out, 10-attack mm. Pale Moon guy. It was 14.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I think that's the only thing that that was left that was worth mentioning for Night Rose. I mean, there was a lot of Night Rose stuff to be honest, but I think we hit yeah. the mm-hmm. majority of it.
2: The, um, I forget the, the GBA ever add anything to the deck.
3: Oh God, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. The so was good. Yeah. That, that's a good point. So the Rummy Rummy Labyrinth set um, introduced Dragroot, uh and Sanger. So with Sanger it's a battle extending stride. And so at the end of the battle that your Vanguard attack, you can Count on blast, bring back something, and it would get plus five for every face-up card in the G zone. So you can really bring something uh, like a big uh, Nightstorm or a really big King Serpent to keep extending attacks. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what promoted the Starlight Loop to do so many attacks as well with that stride. Um, one of the things that helped with, with Dragoot as well because you can actually do field, field calls... And retire, but what people in Japan were doing for a while was actually abusing Mick, and Mick was still at four at this time. And so they would call a bunch of Micks and actually retire them, and return them back to the deck, and then have these beefed up like columns with Negro Rook and Negro Lazy to really have your finishing turn per se on like a dragoo turn. Really, mm-hmm. I
1: have so. to go back and look at root It's been so long. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know.
1: Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I,
0: know.
3: I really like the I really like the art on that guy. So for those that don't know, it's kind of blessed to discard one card. And so for every card that you have on the field, you can call that many units from the drop. And then for every unit that was a hollow unit, you can retire that many cards on your opponent's side. you could actually choose as well. And then if your opponent didn't have any rearguards left, you would draw a card back. So you would break even at that point. So it was a really solid solid stride mm-hmm. at the time. But then the fighters, was it fighters collection back then?
1: No. Yeah it, yeah,
3: it was. It was fighters collection. That's when the GBA came out with Negronora, the G Guard as well. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant Dragon. So group. everybody got that. Oh, that Dragoo came from the Rummy Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. That's what I was talking about with that in um, Negros Hunger. Mm-hmm. But with the fighters collection, we got. The G guard that flips anything, right? And that's what every clan got. But Negronar was really good because yeah. um, so what it does is soul blast, flip a G guard, call it to two different units with different grades to the guardian circle, and use them as shield, basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But if you played like the old PGs, that didn't state that you can place, you have to place them from hand. Um, if they were the old PGs where they can be just placed, you could actually perfect guard when you G guarded from the drop, yeah. which is really yes. awesome.
4: Another thing people were doing at that time they were playing Chappie the Ghosty, the 10K Grade Zero, so that when you it placed in, when, when it's retired from guard circle, or I, I don't remember the timing on it. Guardian circle. but mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, you can search your deck for a card and put it in drop zone.
3: Yep, as soon as you place it on the guardian circle, you could just search wherever you want and dump it in the drop. Yep.
4: So that card was a uh, super good setup for a lot of different reasons.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you could mm-hmm. even do it when you G guard, so you're not only G guarding getting the ten K shield value of a grade zero, you're also getting some filtering on top of that. <laughs> it's just also nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what it did since it flipped G guards, it accelerated you to G B A. And the GBA was basically when you would, you know, call it on Vanguard Circle, you can bring up it to five units, they each get ten K and they die at the end of the turn. But it was all free. Yep. So if you had no blasts, you could even revive units like King Serpent to refund a countercharge, basically, mm-hmm. to actually extend more attacks with like uh, a Nightstorm or a Columbard or a Neger bone And you have these beefed-up units that are just hitting hard <laughs> and actually mm-hmm. having a finishing turn outside of the Negra Song return and the mick abuse with um, a Dragoot, basically.
4: Yeah, that was all so insane at the time. Yeah. The, I think people were playing, like, Two Boat at some point. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the card, but I just called it the boat because it's a giant. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was large.
2: (laughs) It was something, alright.
3: Yeah, it was just always funny that, um, you could just always, like, still extend attacks, and then you got, like, the first attack being, like, an 18k King Serpent hitting you in the face. And that's just, like, the smallest attack. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you put, like, a Grenache. Right, and if you put a Grenache. Oh yeah, the whale. Mm -hmm. That's true. Which is another. The whale
2: just got really big on its own. And you just hope you never have to ride it.
3: That too. It was a 12k base at the time, so yeah.
2: Which was
1: not the norm at the time. What?
2: No way.
1: (laughs) I mean, some people forget that, or others, you know, came in at the start of the era and. uh... Just wasn't that like that before they got mm-hmm. there, so we basically yeah. just did a roundabout yeah. way of saying, "Back in my day,
4: yeah, do it really was." of you know so... oh yeah,
1: what about? What <laughs> do we about
2: want Viera? to start transitioning into Grand Blue and V era?
1: Sure, we're already a half hour in, so yeah, but it's so uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Turns out Night Rose is what <laughs> But I dang.
4: love Jeep Grand Blue; it's so sweet.
2: I know yeah. it was just such a fun deck to play.
3: It really was. It got a lot of people interested in Grand Blue too. Um, mm-hmm. um one of the things that, you know, like um, um we were trying to transition into the VR is that learning Grand Blue, one of the the reasons that people lose with the Grand Blue deck is actually deck out. And I know that, you know, Nairos was one of those decks that had accelerated a million and all that kind of stuff and drawing. So you really had to learn how to manage your resources and that is still quote unquote a problem today but it it makes that uh it makes the player actually learn the deck and actually manage it well too so i think we can transition into the viera now yeah
1: let's do it so uh Green blue came in viera with uh, its ma- original boss monster being basskirk um and a much slower style
0: of uh gameplay for itself yeah
2: mm mm-hmm. Rather than being Force or Excel like we expected, they went the route of making it protect and kind of eliminated that multi-attacking potential that it had during the G era.
3: Yeah, I was very shocked, too, because, like, um, I mean, it's still used today. We have the Megiddo uh, ultimate stride, and mm-hmm. um, I think we skipped that by accident, but Megiddo does play a role in, in Gramble in general. Cause, um, mm-hmm. So the Megiddo stride basically um, plays kind of last to call up to five regards they get plus five and basically they, they swap with each other they get that ability yep. and you're able to basically um with night rose you were able to get so many attacks with it too um yeah. but now into the V era did Skull Dragon come out in that first set too or was it later?
2: Yeah. It was the first yeah Skull Dragon was first
0: set.
3: Yeah. Yeah so we had Bass Crick now as a main vanguard in premium that you could just like stride into I mean, not stride into. but you can ride him as Vanguard and do your stride thing. But now we had access to another grade three as a Rigard, which was Skull Dragon. And Skull Dragon, both Vanguard Circle and Rigard circle, he gained um, 2k for every card in the drop zone. And if you really think about it, y- you can get that guy pretty big, uh, pretty fast. And so the longer the game went, the more deadlier Skull Dragon became. And then it also became what is known today, the Megiddo... Um, Skull Dragon turn, basically.
1: Yep. Four Skull Dragon, one Night Storm. Pure
3: genius. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So you have all these Skull Dragons attacking and they retire themselves and basically at the last couple battles you can revive one more Skull Dragon and it's funny because each one kills itself and gives 2k more technically to the other ones. So it's also powering them up (laughs) as you're going. It's just kind of funny, but... It's really powerful, and honestly, we still use it today to really put the nail in the coffin in, in most ma- in some matchups, to be honest. Yeah.
1: I just like that with the way timing works in Vanguard, you can have them switch positions before it offs itself. Yes. Like, you wouldn't be able to do that in Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! would be like, sorry guys, misses time and go fuck yourself. But,
3: <laughs> <not> <laughs> or link yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and then, as far as standard goes, Ramble just... I think Grand Blue was like somewhat relevant and standard in the beginning, just because Protect as a gift was very strong in the early days of Viera, but then just kind of fell off.
3: Mm-hmm. Part of it, I think, is because because of Grand Blue's mechanic, being able to just bring back stuff from the drop. Mm-hmm. And I think that since it was the beginning of the so many clans only got so much support because it was the first wave. Yeah. But and just then, having that uh, mechanic, it just helped.
2: Things Go like ahead. hand sizes being more limited, too.
3: Yeah, that too, as well. That's very true. One of the things that I really enjoy about Protect Clans, like Grand Blue and Nugatama and so many other clans, that you could just rewrite Grade 3, and then you just mm-hmm. improve the hand quality, like, for nothing, basically. And you get plus one in the saw.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. Also, having a having a crit at all times without really having to do anything um, was very good that early.
3: Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Once you hit a certain number of cards in the drop, right?
1: Yeah, it was once you hit 10 cards. And then with Kokidus, it was 20 cards, but he got more power with his yes. crit. But it also took longer to get there, and by that point, more decks were starting to speed up so it became this kind of awkward game of trying to speed your way to twenty cards in drop zone, and then immediately stop all momentum of milling. And you're like, <laughs> ah, okay, I need to slow down, pressure the opponent with crits, try not to. Oh, by deck out, deck out,
3: fuck. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that I mentioned that is still kind of a problem today. That if if you're not playing the deck enough and learning it, you, you can lose yourself to deck out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
4: That's true. I have like, uh, I have done that.
3: <laughs> there's a there's a a meme with like Night Rose in it. You know that that meme where it's the one dude that he's like very smart and so he's tapping his head with his two fingers or something. Yeah. 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 So, accent one. And it says. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so what the really the meme is is basically, it's like you can't um, you can't get to six damage if you deck out. You know. True. <laughs> <laughs> So true. I think uh, before we transition to Kakitis, we got premium collection with uh the new Obadiah stride.
2: That's true. Oh yeah.
3: Yeah, that that's definitely Big a
2: Obadiah <laughs> <laughs>
3: right. and so, I just find ahead. that
2: highly amusing, is we had the Oh, reg-
3: The original strike was
2: ghosty great king Obadiah and then it's ghosty great emperor big Obadiah.
3: <laughs> i know it's so obnoxious <laughs> It's funny <clears throat> and so for for those that know it basically uh during the during the main phase you can blast one flip anything in the g zone and then you could actually go into your deck and mail up to five cards of your choosing and send them to the drop zone right and then you can call two units for every face up card in the g zone so if you fro- first show this you would get two cards. If you G-guarded and then showed into this, you would get four cards. And then anything after that, you get full board. And each of those units also got plus five on top of that. So it out a lot, just for one counterblast. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, especially since in premium, uh, people like denying CB against decks that can really use it a lot. Yes. So it doing it for a very cheap cost is really, really, really big.
2: Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Quite-
1: Plus being able were to you... set up the Medido turn by going, all right, I'm going to take these three Skull Dragons and this Nightstorm out of deck and put them in drop.
3: Yes, that's also true. Yeah. And um, before like Obadah came out, we were still relying on Gauche for first stride, so cards like Romario helped out with that too with building the Sol. Um, Romario is a, a solid grade one, so his skill is basically when Rode upon. You can kind of blast, put a card into the soul from hand, and then mill three cards, and then add any card from the drop zone to hand, except um, did, he, did he restrict? I can't remember. I just, it's mm-hmm. Green Shade that restricts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you could just did grab anything restrict? that you What was that?
2: Sorry, what were you asking?
3: If uh, Romario restricted what you grab from the drop zone. I don't think so. Uh, it's just Green Shade. Load, don't think so.
1: Just return anything from drop to hand after you yeah. pay the cost.
3: Yeah, he's generic. Yeah. Just wanted to double check that. Because some cards are very specific. And so you added another card into Soul on top of that. And then when you do your first stride turn, you can actually Soul Blast more for Gauch and still have that first solid strike turn. But then Obadiah came out and Obadiah was actually on also first Stride, like a good first strike turn as well because you're able to get your combo pieces and still work with what you got on top of that.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So,
2: oh.
1: so now that we're more or less uh, caught back up to the present, uh, w- what sort of tools is Grand Blue working with now?
3: So I guess that leads into the Kakaita set. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that was My Glorious Justice. And so yep. Yep. one of the most impactful cards that we have today is Greed Shade. So Greche has two skills. The first skill is Vanguard uh, Rearguard Circle. It gets plus 5 if you have 10 or more cards in the drop zone um, during your turn. So it was a little 14k beater. Useful in the early game if you got that many cards in the drop zone, so you can hit over 10k grade 2s, like in Force Clans. And then in the stride turns, you were able to hit Vanguard by itself too, which promoted the extending turns where you do 4 or 5 tags. The second skill is really what made the difference. Is basically, on Rear Guard, when it's placed, you can discard a card, mill no two, and then grab anything except for itself. This gave you the ability to fix your hand, because if you drew into Scroll Dragon, or another card like Ghost Ship, you couldn't do anything with them. And so it was best to discard those cards, and then actually build up a drop zone and get something that was useful. Uh, most of the time, it's actually shield value. That could be like a heal trigger. So in Premium, you can G-Guard, and then you have Perfect Guards, and then any other combo pieces that you really want to work with as well. On top of that, so like a copy of the Vanguard for Ultimate Stride, or another card just to be able to break Ride for later on as well.
1: Yeah.
3: And anything uh, else you guys want to say on that card? Uh, <laughs>
1: I, I thought it was if you if it attacked and you had more cards in hand than the opponent, it got three K. Oh wait, I'm looking at the wrong.
3: Wait line. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait a minute. <laughs> You know, what, what's kind of sad, I, I didn't know Greed Shade was a card until the <laughs> V-Series, and I was like, oh, this card existed back then. Oh, that's why. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's glad I was like... 8k, yeah, plus 3. Yeah. Talk about over cost No, I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> no, I'm glad I... they, uh, they they did these, like, reboot cards where you know, maybe the original version of it just didn't do anything, and now they get to redo the effect, and
0: it has more mm-hmm.
1: of an impact. Matt, what were mm-hmm. you going to
4: say? Uh, the Grand Blue deck also uh, benefited a bit from having uh, like Hanali as well, right?
3: Yes. Mm. Uh, do you want me to go into that, or do you want to go into that?
4: Okay, we were talking about what tools they had, so I thought it was a good time to bring it up, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Did you want to explain uh, that uh, no, to me? You
4: please, no, you please do.
3: Okay. <laughs> That's what I wanted <laughs> to talk. Oh, yeah. My bad. Um, uh, just to segue a little bit, um, just to make it clear, Greed Shade with Obadiah literally means you can get anything from your deck to your hand. And so we're able to attack cards, and that's where really Hanali shines. And so Hanali has two skills. I'll just mention the, the sucky skill is basically when it's placed, you turn one of your face-up damage to face down, so you forcefully counterblast. But the skill that really mattered is basically when a rearguard would attack a vanguard, and it's the fifth battle or more that turn, you have to counterblast. And so, really, what you used that was against matchups, um, specifically, like, Excel clans that just started generating multiple Excel circles. A good one was Azel. And so, it really helped you just kind of, like, survive those turns. And at first, that one kind of less um, may be something that you're not able to control with. But one of the things that I realized, and it's thanks to watching people like uh, Jeremy playing at Worlds, you're able to just grab two Connellys and just call them. So basically, if anybody was trying to attack after that, they would have to pay two counter blasts for a single <laughs> attack, and that's a little more like you can't do crap, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's just mean. I never usually people just have the one Hanley and They're like, yeah, good enough. But to pay two counter blasts, that's just devious.
3: Mm-hmm. And it even comes up sometimes with certain matchups, like Aquaforce is a good example too. Um, noble grapplers and many other matchups, but really for the the metagame, it was definitely for ezl.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Nothing like mm-hmm. eighteen Excel circles on turn four. Yeah. please! I just broke into a little dance that no one will ever see. That's true. you <laughs> <laughs> like, actually dance. Yeah, just like a little, like a little meme dance, like a, I don't know, like like mo- moving my hands around in a little circle. Oh, that's know. funny. I'll, I'll try and post a gif of it later on,
3: on Nexus and <laughs> okay. on Twitter. That's really <laughs> funny. Um, I think I what I can talk more about the, the Kokaitis build. I think it's worth talking because if you really see any of the deck profiles out there, um, the good ones are like Solom's videos and, of course, Jeremy and I've even did one recently. They typically are like the same build, like mostly. There might be like some single one of text, really but most of the core is the same thing. So, for example, for the grade 3, we still have the 4 Kocytus, we have the 4 Skull Dragon, we have the 1 Nightstorm. Mm-hmm. Some people may add other grade 3s or increase the Nightstorm count, but for for the most part, that grade 3 uh, ratio, the, those 9 grade 3s are pretty consistent. And then we also fall into the grade 2s, where we have Greed Shade. We play at 4 for consistency reasons, and it's just a great card, both early, mid, and late game. And then we also have the Ruin Shades, which help promote with the milling. So we're playing those four or four sets. And really the remaining three to four cards for the grade two slot are really the techs and most of the time it's a Columbard, a cannoneer, and a ghost ship. Yep. And then somebody some people may take another cards. For me I've taken King Serpent just to have the on demand counter charge, for mm-hmm. example. And then people can fall into the grade ones, where Romario tends to be a staple. Um, some play four and some play less, maybe three or two. I've seen people try to cut it off, but I I can't see cutting Romario off just yet. And then there's other the the four PGs, so that way we can still play twelve crits mm-hmm. in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that really was funny with Vieira was we got draw PGs. And Normally in clans that's awesome, but in Grand Blue it was like uh, <laughs> we have a draw in Grand Blue. <laughs> It's just kind of weird.
4: You were like, I think Grand um... I think Blue is the only clan that's like, nah.
3: <laughs> yeah, it really made you think, like, this is nice, but I don't know. And <laughs> when you come close to deck out and you still have one of those in deck, you're like, oh, if I drive check it, I'm going to die. You know, <laughs> one of those moments.
1: <laughs> I had that happen to me mm-hmm. once where it was like locals or something. And I'm like, all right, you got three cards left in deck. I see, uh, you know, my my drop PGs either in damage drops on whatever, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you should be fine. Drive check, nothing, and you're like, okay, might be out of the wood. Second check, draw trigger. Fuck! Like <laughs> my screams of agony echoing off the walls of this local.
3: Right. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's crazy, Sorry, but Toyman. we also. T- we ultimately fell back onto the grade 1 PGs, and luckily we got a new set of PGs where if you place it on a Vanguard circle, you can actually draw one and discard one. Which, hey, which really helped the drop zone. Right, exactly, which helped the consistency of Grand Blue's just game, overall game plan. Feeling the drop zone, fixing your hand, and just really one of those ride targets that you actually want to ride to, which is cool. And then, of course, you got like texts like Connolly, for example, or the Rebel Banshee to Soul Blast one, draw a card, get plus four. So it's a 12k booster attacker. Mm -hmm. And you can even try like the Cutlass Engine if you want to as well. So there's a little more variance in the grade ones. And then, of course, on the grade zeros, you have the 12 crits. And then, of course, heal triggers. And um, I think one of the things that I wanted to highlight about the deck is like, why is Grand Blue such a, a good deck in general, too? So. I think it dives down to, I, I like to break down the game in turns. So it's like, what does your grade one turn look like? What does your grade two turn look like? What does your grade three turn look like? And what does your first stride turn look like? And Grand Blue has the ability to have a solid grade three turn. So if you decide, depending on the situation and game state, you may actually write to grade three at first and quote unquote, give up the first stride to your opponent. But with the interaction of Kakaitis of being just, you know, kind of last one, bring back two units plus any more in the grade threes in the soul. The wording is really weird for that card. <laughs> so yeah, if is. you have any grade threes, basically you call two cards and if you have any grade threes, you plus one for each grade three you have in the soul. So you can call full field eventually if you have enough grade threes in the soul. But you're able to call units on your grade three turn. And so you can utilize Greed Shade, you could utilize Ripple Banshee, you can use these cards to generate advantage, get heal triggers, so you can actually live the next turn. And because Gakitis is a protective marker vanguard, you'll get a protect um, protect one. So you have a sentinel. So you can really set yourself up defensively and still apply some pressure on grade three turn. And then they do their thing and then you G guard and then you come back with like an Obadiah. And if you G-Guard it again, you can probably Megiddo if you if it's really set up at that point. Mm-hmm. So, those are, those are the things that I like to like break down. Like, what is my grade 3 turn look the like? Because, like, if I were to, let's say, go back to Night Rose, I would probably die, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. your grade 3 turn doesn't do anything because it's a G-Era card.
1: I mean, it's funny you say that yeah. because, was it, around September? We're getting... Yep.
2: A the next menu. wave of Grand Blue support is Night Rose.
1: Yeah. So, mm-hmm. with that being in mind, uh, I, I was going to mm-hmm. ask, like, looking toward the future of Grand Blue. Um, yeah. With this new Night Rose stuff coming out, what do you want to see from it in a premium context? Like, obviously, standard, they're probably gonna maybe probably try and do their own thing, or they'll try and bring back the multi attack but mm-hmm. what would you like to see from this next wave of Night Rose coming up in, in the next few <clears> months?
3: Um, obviously, a lot of players would like the aesthetic of Night Rose back from the Jira mm-hmm. days. I'm and, shocked. Right. Why are you shocked?
1: <laughs> Sarcastically so. Oh, oh, okay,
3: okay. What? Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, I think one of my, um, I wouldn't say bias, but one of the things that have impacted my view and expectation of the future set is really the newest premium collection Hmm. and that's with the new strain and new crits so that'll be next week is it okay if i cover a little bit about them yeah that's
2: fine i was about to ask you anyways
3: okay perfect (laughs) i'm excited for that so um i mean the crits obviously you can discard for the cost of strike which is phenomenal because a lot of the time we have to be careful on um, how many Skull Dragons or other grade 3s that we, you know, mill with Obadiah because then we have potentially a harder time of actually striding with one card. And then at that point, we start ditching two or three cards, which is pretty bad in any situation. So you have to be, like, careful about that. And that those crits really help that. And then, of course, there's just more consistency of just striding. Then the stride, bad bounty, is phenomenal. <laughs> so basically, at the end of the battle... You can kind of blast. Um, it'll go back to G zone. And then you can choose a grade three from your drop and write it a stand onto your Vanguard. You have to discard three cards too. Um, so it's a re-standing stride. Um, it doesn't flip anything in the G zone, which was really odd. So basically it just like removed itself and here's a new grade three Vanguard that you can work with. But it's a re-standing stride. And so what's different is that it doesn't call rearguards, And most Vanguard... Uh, units in grand blue actually call regards so you're in this position where like you had to have a field set up whether you already had it prior or you had to set it up to make some decent multi-attacks with the rearguard columns and also take advantage of a restanding vanguard attack basically and a lot of things that shine was some of the old stuff and the new stuff just working together so that's where the expectation comes in is that basically, right now with the original Night Rose and Grade three nightness, you can basically do like a pseudo Megiddo turn. And so what I mean by that is basically, if you're a limit break four, if you have a limit break four enabler, you can break right on your right face with a nightness with another nightness, call two skull dragons, stride into the new bad bounty stride, poke with the skull dragons, then attack Vanguard any triggers, put them on the booster behind Vanguard still that hasn't boosted yet so you could save it for the next attack. Re-ride into let's say a Skull Dragon or a Night Rose. Now do Night Rose for example. You break ride during the battle phase with the OG Night Rose and you break ride again so you bring back two the two same Skull Dragons that died back to the field. So then you can actually attack with Vanguard first, apply any of the triggers, so if you double crit, you put them on the Skull Drive, the Vanguard column, especially if you put any triggers on the booster. So typically, it's a 21k Vanguard because you Broke Ride, plus the booster. Ideally, we're Mario, because it's a 12k booster. So it can hit over 30k pretty easily with Twin Drive. And then you have your Regards, Poke with Skull Dragon, Poke with Skull Dragon, and because of Night Rose gb 2 skill, you can re- Revive one of the skull dragons, and get another attack yet in. Or otherwise, you can just rewrite a skull dragon, and your vanguard is just a skull dragon that's also super, super humongous on its own too. So, it's like a pseudo Megiddo turn per se.
4: So, uh, one thing I, one question I have for the for the premium Glam Blue deck, is uh, so the G Zone I noticed has a lot of counter blast cost in it. Uh, is there, uh, really an option for Grand Blue if they're being denied counterblast?
3: What do you mean, an option for counterblast?
4: Uh, so, like, all the strides require counterblast, right?
3: Yeah, pretty much all of them. Do you play...
4: Do you, oh, yeah. Uh, what, what, what... So, what's, uh, Grand Blue do if they're in a position where they, uh, like, let's say against some Giza deck where they're just, like, you know, being
3: turtled upon? <laughs> uh, there's two ways, um... Or three ways, actually. So let's say you're just using the Kakaitis build.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you have access to Grenache, and you have access to King Serpent if you decide to play it. So with Grenache, you can make sure that you still end up with two Counter blasts. So whatever you already committed that turn with counterblasting, Grenache is going to refund two back. And so that way it prevents any damage to nine, unless mm-hmm. you're facing something that forces Counter on you. But I don't think that exists right now. And the other one is like King Serpent. And so if you do have one counterblast per se, one of the things that I like to do with Obadiah with King Serpent is just call full field, pull King Serpent in the back behind the Vanguard, and it refunds the field call, right? And now you have another counterblast to work with, and you can extend to four or five attacks. Or if you're playing seven seas proper again, because it's it's, it's kind of a viable option now because of the new stride, you can break ride into the king serpent and countercharge that way and then stride and then you have your counterblast for bad bounty and and then the other thing you have is the the V series cutlass right you can buy in a cutlass mill something countercharge and bring it back to the field All right, cool. so you have multiple options yeah that was the other thing that I, uh, I've been testing right now is really seven C's with the new stride and all you really need is just one counterblast with Megiddo you need two and if you want to do with like Nightstorm you need a third so it's That's just really another option to win
1: I feel like Damage so, Denial isn't going to be much of an issue like especially as we uh, get to this stuff with Rain Element and Zazan again next week we're covering it don't worry um, and like j- right, I Zazan feel like, a whole- yeah Living Proof brought this up on his channel, where uh, he was saying that he thinks the game is going to be kind of turned on its head, and instead of how much damage can you control on the opponent, it's how fast can you deal the opponent and kill them, where it's going to become a more rush-heavy format, to the point where uh, he had Matt on his channel to uh, do the math on how likely is it that you will draw Zazan.
4: I need to finish that math, actually, because I did it before, uh, like, draw for turn and before, uh, mm-hmm. like, d- draw off the V starter. It's not done? So there's no – so there's a lot more to do. So I did it oh – uh, I did it post-mulligan. Okay. And so that's already a lot of work because there are 14 cases you have to consider. Um, so – well, it, well, either you get it or there are 14 other cases. So whatever, whatever right. you want to count that as. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start there. And then, like, I need to still, count, but then I need to like look at all the cases where you're like one card away, and see yeah. what the odds are you draw um, into it. And then the uh, if you don't draw into it, you get another draw for the uh, for the on ride V starter. So then you have a you know right. you have another shot there. So I need to do all that math, and then I need to do the math if you're two cards away that you draw a runner-runner and get there.
3: <laughs> right, the probability and all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
4: yeah so it's – and but and b- b- before any of that, with 20 vanillas in your deck, the odds of you having Zazan and two vanillas at the start of the game, assuming you're hard-nulling for Zazan, is 46%. Before your draw for oh. turn and before the V-starter draw. So it's actually, like, pretty high.
3: That's pretty good, so, actually, yeah.
4: And I think both that, that... decks are going to have more vanillas, just conveniently. Yeah. So it's going to be way higher than that.
3: That's actually going to dive into part of the expectation with the new set. It's like the other side of the cone. If Sazan is a thing, you know, because some people are attacking, like, Sazan may not actually make it to tournaments.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so with finishing the expectation of without Sazan in the picture, um, because we have access to all of this stuff, Night Rose, like, for, like, the V-Series retrain, what I would like to see it is just being able to promote extension of attacks during the battle phase because it's also something different that Standard can have because if you really think about it, Kokaitis is just a better beefed-up version than um, Baskirk. And yeah. so it hasn't really had anything different. The, Go
1: ahead. In the case of like Baskirk and uh, Kokaitis and just Grand Blue before Giera it became kind of like drop zone paladins, where you're like, alright, just make a board yes. out of your drop zone. And in G-Era, it felt more something like uh, I don't know, Pill Moon? Or, like my rear
3: actually do something. Yeah, or, or, <laughs> yeah.
1: Or, or just you're trying to get multi-attacks by pulling out of the same place over and over. Like Gear mm-hmm. Chronicle got compared to it a lot because that's exactly what it was. You were just multi-attacking by time leaping multiple times yeah. per battle phase. so They were
3: very similar. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I think like it, Pan, uh, Pale Moon and Grand Blue get compared a lot um, not just because the two characters who played it in Jira were like buddies, but also because uh, of where they got their attacks from, which is build up a place and call
3: things out of it. Yep, that's a very good uh, comparison actually. Yeah, And with just having some variety or spice to the new night rows is maybe something like Phantasm, where on attack, kind of blast, call two two units, and not restricted to like a front circle and in a back row circle. Like actually be able to like call two units to attack twice, or maybe make a column if you really want to. So it gives a little more spice to um, standard at that point. Mm-hmm. And then for premium, you have the Bounty strike right? You can rewrite into the new Night Rose and if it's it if it extends attacks the then you could just call Skull Dragons as well and kinda go from there really. Mm-hmm. And because you have the Night Rose name, you have access to previous Night Rose support. Negrobrone and Negro are kinda hard to fit because of all the um the base numbers of Vanguard now because like twelve K Vanguards, thirteen K Vanguards, the, the triggers are ten K power up now, so yeah. If they got a trigger, it really makes it hard to hit phenomenal numbers to really make them worth. And but there are some other cards that really didn't shine as much. And one of them was brought to me was Fatal Shade. Uh, Fatal Shade actually was a grade one that came from Rummy Labyrinth. And basically, it's a hollow unit. At the end of the turn that it died due to hollow, if you have a Night Rose Vanguard, you can soul blast it, uh, soul blast one card, and then bottom deck it and bring back a non-grade one unit back to board. And so really what this means is that you didn't have to rely on Night Rose's GP2 skill to bring back a unit. That card can do it for you for a Soul Blast and bottom deck it itself. So you can have access to a Cannoneer or, or, or just abuse Greed Shade per se. Because um, one of the things that I did with Night Rose is that I can do basically a second strike turn. But it required on your first try turn using one Greed Shade to get the heal trigger into your hand, and then you basically would G-Guard with Negro Lily to get basically GB3 live, and then re-enable the Greed Shade to get the copy of the Vanguard during your opponent's turn, so it was very, it was kind of like fragile, because it was so um, like, geared to that, but now Fader Shade can call that Greed Shade a second time that same turn, and you could really get the copy of the Vanguard, or just build better hand quality, so cards like that with the new Night Rose stuff would just help it actually do really good in premium and i think i can go to the other side of the coin so what if Sazan is a thing for grand blue and what does that mean did you guys want me to talk about that too now
0: um Uh, yeah yeah, sure
2: go for it
3: it. yeah so a lot of a lot of what's going on right now is because premium collection has been fully revealed so people are testing out Sazan just abusing the engine itself because vanilla's you're able to plus more. You have a grade four that gets flipped called Cyclone. It gives power for units that didn't have continuous act or auto abilities. And so that's why people are playing Vanillas too on top of that. They're just a powerhouse um, in the early game. And you're enabling Generation Break. So just like, what? And so Grand Blue honestly, can use some of these cards basically using like Reach Shade. Um, a good example is that if you milled Cezanne or a Tempest Sphere you can grab it with Green Shade and then just go off that. So the probability of actually seeing those cards early on are even better for Ground Blue. And then you have access to Columbard, where generally you use Columbard to bring back like a a beater, right, like Skull Dragon. But because your normal units are actually also getting power, it's actually good to bring back a vanilla unit with Columbard.
4: (laughs) (laughs) 20k grade 2 vanilla, easy. (laughs)
3: <laughs> basically yeah i thought that about the other day i was like wow that moment when you realize it's actually good you know <laughs> and there's just so many things that you can do because grand blue is able to just grab stuff from the the drop song thanks to greed shade and so i'm not saying it's going to be the best deck or anything like that but it does have options with zazan and if vanillas are the way to go then your grade three slots look entirely different and we're not even sure if that point, would Night Rose be useful? And it really just depends on her skill. Or if Kakaitis is even useful and you just play the Skull Dragons. And it just really brings up a lot of those questions. And so some people are like Benzazon and some people are like on. <laughs> So I've not
4: met very very many in Camp 2. Uh, I, I think most people... Well, I guess some people are like, let it ride for now. And then, you know, see if there's something that people can adapt to. But uh, my my uh, optimism is not high.
1: I the camp I fall in is if everyone's super, no one is.
4: Yeah, like but the the, 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 the okay. I'm, can I
1: just say ca- something? Oh, sorry. The calico thing, I get. Kill calico. Zazan is also stupid. I just want to see what it does, just for a little bit. Then you Oh,
4: sh- I mean, we will. We will. Yeah. We will. Okay, there's continue. still vision events going on, there's still like there's still some other online events, but for the mm-hmm. most part, uh, we will see a little bit of Zazan before it, uh, if it does get the hammer, it gets it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I do want to say, uh, bring up the point about mm-hmm. if everyone's super, no one is, the only, the big problem with that kind of philosophy is that it makes things really volatile, because when, if you try to make everything overpowered, it means like every small turn of the crank is can be such a huge change that then, you know, you're no longer in the realm of reason. Um, so that, that's kind of my issue with that, is that it I becomes agree. very chaotic. And, oh, go
0: ahead. you know,
2: I think we can look back at, like, the v- GBT-13-14 era where that kind of started happening, and we hated it.
1: Well, I know we hated it, but that was still a certain number of clans. This is a cray Elemental. Which makes it a little everything.
3: different, don't you think? Yeah, this whole premium collection just changes everything. Yeah, like not it, not even just the the cray elements, but even some of the strides. And mm-hmm. um, and where Grand Blue falls into that category, I'm not too sure yet. But it it's still going to be a solid deck for sure, especially since it's going to get new support soon too. On top of that,
0: yeah, I mean,
4: worst case, is Zan gets banned, and everything's you know reasonable
0: anyway yeah
3: yeah i agree i think one of the like what you were talking about matt with the cranking the shaft basically they were doing okay with Tempestphere, like just that card mm-hmm. um one well probably one of the biggest things is because it costs a counterblast and just like you guys were talking about living proof it's like can you control your opponent's counterblast and really if you can control that it makes it harder for a temposphere to resolve and get the full benefit right Right. But Zazan is a soul blast one. Place anywhere. So cards like even Odysseus and Archivores can abuse it twice in turn one with just one copy of Sazan and be generation break two and then have plus four cards and just really hammer.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And where does Grand Blue fall? I mean, it it's gonna have a harder time against those builds,
0: <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, I can. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess
3: we'll
1: have to see, and we will see next week on nexus at night but i think for this time it's a good uh stopping point jaime thank you yeah. so much for coming on the show again
3: oh thank you i appreciate it man i know it's been a while and like you said uh i went on hiatus for a little bit but i had to get married
4: uh, <laughs> congratulations on that by the way yes congrats oh, thank you,
3: you I, I didn't know if you wanted me i didn't know if you wanted
4: me bring it up in the middle and at the very beginning so i didn't
3: uh, Oh no, uh yeah. oh Um <laughs> One of the things that I did on my channel, I never wanted to be those YouTubers where like they're doing so great and then all of a sudden you never hear from them like a year later or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I did a video explaining that to to any subscribers or people that were actually checking out my channel that aren't subscribed to. So like, where'd he go? Like, oh, he made a video about it. Wait, (laughs) you didn't
1: go on a hiatus. You went on a hiatus.
3: Hiatus, right? (laughs) Exactly. Did it? (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, That's hilarious, actually. Yeah. Um, is it okay if I plug more of my social media? I guess what yeah, i was going to say.
1: Where, where can people uh, find it? we
2: do, anyways. Yeah. Please do.
3: <laughs> awesome. So, for those of you who don't know or have seen the G era, there is a character named Jaime Alvarez that played Aqua Force, and my last name is Alvarez. So, funny enough, one letter was different. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that's really where part of the inspiration of the name came from as one who gets crits, Commander Jaime, for the Aqua Force aesthetic. Uh, for Graham Blue, though. I have actually made a Grand Blue blog, a personal one, that just focuses on Grand Blue stuff. So, on there, I talk about card spotlights or even deck analysis or tips or suggestions or new support, stuff that has interest for both casual and competitive um, players, and really a place of resource that people can refer to. You know, sometimes scouring the internet for any Grand Blue content for tournament purposes or even just fun is kind of limiting. And just having that being able to be easily accessible and then a growing list basically helps any Grand Blue um, players in general. So if you want to check it out, it's called rogue of the 7 rogothesevenseas.wordpress.com, hence a new alias just to give the um, blog its vibe called Rogue of the Seven Seas Commander Jaime. So you can picture me as basically me and my fleet from Aqua Force going rogue and conquering the Seven Seas of Cray. So, that's really how that came to be. <laughs> nice. There's a mental so, image
4: with it, too. Love it. Um, yeah, sometimes I, I feel like uh, Vanguard content is like pretty sparse, especially clan-specific ones, so I, I really mm-hmm. appreciate uh, that kind of stuff.
3: Uh, Thank you. It, it's yeah. fun, too, and yeah. just growing yeah. there, too, and everything. I actually did an interview with somebody today that um, did pretty well with Blue over the weekend in the, the Vision tournament, too, so that was actually pretty cool to do, too. Nice.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we did an episode about that in the past where it was like, how come there's not more like clan-specific people out there? Like your profs I mean, and
2: your... You know. I mean, sometimes it's hard to be that simply because Bushiro deigns to you know, give you support like once a year, maybe.
3: Right. Like spikes? <laughs> <laughs>
4: right? What's... He, make, he makes yeah, it work awful. somehow.
3: <laughs> yeah, so i have been playing a lot of like... Vanguard
4: Zero. Oh, sorry.
3: No, I was just saying Living Pro uh, Live and Proof is really good at what he does with spikes too. Mm-hmm. I don't even play spikes and I hop on his channel sometimes just to see <laughs> him, talking about his, you know, his recruit videos. <laughs> and when a new unit's uh, showing up, like, all right, this is the recruit report, and I'm like, all right, let's see <laughs> yeah. I get excited. Oh. You I, could do that
1: for Blue and just call it the shipyard or something like that.
0: Shipyard, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: I really should start doing content for like B T or O T T again.
0: Yeah. There's plenty of uh,
3: stuff to do right now. <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, are you like, are you lightning fish, right? Yes. I actually that referred to you in one of my articles. I hope. That, I'm not sure if you actually knew about that.
2: I don't think so. It's been a while since I've kept up with that. Although, I'm going to have a tiny bit of free time to start mm-hmm. going into that stuff again.
3: Well, you have calico, so that's something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I actually re- referred to one of your articles that you did about the end phase and mm-hmm. I was actually, I brought it up in my article because I was talking about the Night Rose end phase um, interactions and so I was like, oh, if you want to actually dive into all the phases of the the game, check out Lightning Fish's blog on this article, that's what I did well, Awesome, mm-hmm. I forgot about the awesome. article <laughs> So I appreciate <laughs> you. Yeah. yeah Awesome, very cool
4: um,
1: Alright guys, I guess it's time t- to end You done a Twitter or anything like that?
3: Uh I do. Uh I just don't remember. I think it's Jaime Elv One. Um I'll give it to you afterwards, so that way you could just put it on there.
1: Yeah, we'll do.
4: Um Matt work You
3: can always me you. find me on Facebook too. Oh go ahead.
4: You can find me on Twitter at wiggums two G gczs
2: You can find me at Plasma Eclipse, I do the arts.
1: And then you can find me at Atlas Novak or you can find my other show at Bad Rating Pod. Uh, both on Twitter or instagram respectively and uh, this week on bad reading we have root beer as the guest um, oh snap <laughs> yeah. that'll be coming out this Friday and we're doing Gundam which uh, oh
3: that's yeah. pretty cool
1: it's uh it's a good time and we me and my co-host didn't know anything about it so we just looked up a crossover and it's Gundam and pokemon
0: and
2: it did not go the way that you were <laughs> expecting it to. <laughs>
1: I
4: have a lot of questions.
2: So.
1: <laughs> yeah, stay tuned for that one. And, uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week for the set review. I was Atlas. I'm Matt.
3: I'm still Root Beer. And I'm Commander Jaime. See you guys.
1: And have a good night, everybody.